0: Welcome to the Spiritual Boss Podcast with Melanie Dawn, Jen Anderson, and Tanya Ryan.
1: Hey guys, so here on the Spiritual Boss today, you have me, Melanie Dawn, and Tanya Ryan. And I really gathered Tanya here today (laughs) because I would value her insight and input on this one particular thing that I've been thinking about a lot, and that's the fear of being wrong. And the fear of being wrong comes into so many different aspects of my life, which started probably with a uh, school doing something wrong there. And then motherhood, of course, I think we all fear that our kids are going to grow up to be serial killers and it will be our fault. <laughs> <laughs> and then even just showing up publicly, like, so on the weekend we went out for my birthday and I had, uh, I got into the dome beer which I don't know what they put in that stuff but I don't like I don't think that uh I was fully present for who I was and I was like there was just a lot of shame attached to it instead of wow Melanie you sure went out and had a good time (laughs) and you had a great time and you never hurt anybody and it was amazing but there's just because um there's addiction in my family what if this is wrong instead of thinking what if It is right. I let myself fall down into that tunnel, and I notice even with uh, Tanya and I were just chatting about this. But even with how I show up online, sometimes I'm really because I am a loving person and I am a sensitive person. I hold back sometimes on what I want to say, and because it's really hard to say what you want to say with impact and make sure that no one is offended, that no one feels a certain trigger and being a loving person and loving people like we are that's absolutely not what we want to do but then am I powerful am I impactful so this deep-rooted fear of being wrong I want to get to the bottom of it because I'm done with it like (laughs) I truly am done with it it's caused enough strife and it's just something that I feel holds us back from being all of who we are for most of our lives that's where I'm ending it. Cause I feel like I, I agree for an hour. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's, well, there's, yeah, there's lots in there. So, okay. Yeah. I f- feel what I'm hearing from you is like that this is showing up and it's inhibiting you from being who you are or showing up more like as authentically as you want to. And then it's funny. Cause as you're talking, I'm just like, um, I'm in a, like a journey of accountability over the last year and some, and what I'm hearing is um, uh, my own stuff come. And the way that this shows up in my life is, um, is that my desire or need or fear of being wrong, my desire to be right, um, interrupts my relationships Mm. So um while well, I'm like um we should like take this in any direction you want to go or like maybe <laughs> there's a place we could start or whatever, but um just I what I've noticed is that if, if is in my own history of habits and the things that I feel like I have done to like there was like basically a faux pas in like an exchange with someone or a confrontation or a conflict is I chose to be right instead of choosing the relationship. So mm-hmm. I defended the need to be right. Like, no, you can't see me as wrong. I, I will not yield like, instead of just owning up and saying, you know what? Yes, maybe I was wrong about that. Um, and in that moment, then giving that person whom I love, like some validation and taking accountability for my error, I hold hold hard or hold fast on it and that will end up being at the expense of that relationship so I feel like the fear of being wrong can really affect us in like a, a, a wild amount of ways like so um, I want to hear more about like this inauthenticity or this piece, or inauthenticity piece there we go right? with words. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no in my head I couldn't even say it I was gonna try to help you but I couldn't <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to know, or I want to, I would love to lead more into that. I'm just like, it. I'm noticing that everything I'm doing for my like internal work lately is very, very, um, dark. <laughs> it basically goes into like, what's the worst way you express this? <laughs> like what's, and it's, it's funny. Cause I think it's just, I think it's just the way I work. It's like dive into the depth of it and I'll work like, basically it's like, go to the hardest part first. And then I can work my way through. Um, cause it'll just get easier as I go. <laughs> And I'm like, this is just pretty much an embodiment of who I am as a person. So um, anyways, I think that's why I dove into like the ugly part first. But uh, yeah, anyways, that was what first came to my mind when you said it.
1: I totally feel the the the, go to the shadow, go to the darkest part of yourself. I love to be there, which is like such a weird thing to say. But I truly do (laughs) love to talk about all the bad stuff. The water sign. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I do love the depths of the ocean. Um, For me, I think when we are, me, we, me, (laughs) uh, are afraid of hurting someone's feelings, that's choosing them over you. You are giving them a watered-down version of you, and you're giving the world a watered-down version of you. And at some point in time, someone has hurt my feelings, whether they've intended to or not, and... It's, I think we need to look at what's behind the intention. Everyone is held to such a high standard, and I'm not saying that the world didn't need to change, but I do think that the world is at such a high degree of sensitivity right now, and such a high standard for people that it's almost godly. It's not human anymore. And if we sit in and sink into, well, if I do offend someone, I'm actually gonna be okay with listening to them and hearing them. And if I do think that I'm at fault, like you said, in a relationship, I I can lay down my sword and say, sorry, like what is on the other side of holding on to that except for a lost relationship? Or what is on the other side of not doing it except for not fully being you? And I don't think that that's a risk that we should be taking. I think that we should speak who what we need to say And I think that there will be beautiful things that arrive out of it. And if we can let people be who they are and still allow them, like the cancel culture is a very scary thing and still allow them to change and evolve and be different. There was, uh, I can't remember what book I read, but it said that nothing is not forgivable. There is nothing that is not forgivable or nothing that you can't move past and through. So even if you were this horrible person yesterday, that doesn't mean that you have to hold that identity for the rest of your life. You can choose different. And when we have open floor conversations for that in safe ways that sees the value of the human being over the value of being right, I think that that would lead to a lot of change. And we'd see a lot of people do amazing things because I think so many of us are At the root of being wrong i'm gonna be rejected i'll be by myself i'll be isolated i'll lose love and those are powerful things to fear losing
0: well and then not to get like too brene brown on on the subject but it sounds like there's like everything you said to me also like comes back to some root of shame like that like because even if you think about like well why can't you be wrong like, yeah. like like go down into it like what is it and so for a lot of us it goes down to this root of like well I'm unsafe if I'm wrong or I'm unloved if I'm wrong but ultimately it's it's like there's some sort of like little tangent that goes off into I shame myself is wrong yeah yeah, yeah. And, and, and because if you see that if there was no shame if we didn't have the shame piece, then it would be easy to be wrong about something and then be like, oops, my bad. I was wrong. But why is it so hard for us to go? Oops, my bad. And, and I'm sure many of us have been in situations where we have gone, oops, my bad, but then shame was served, right? Like it was like, Hey, you shouldn't have done like, okay. So like, this is a really minor instance, but I, it's the only one I can think of right now. But, um, my husband asked my son not to do something, obviously for his well-being and safety. <laughs> yeah. And then so he did it. Life. He, he yeah. <laughs> hurt himself. He cried. Mm. And my husband, you know, like he's a parent, and it's it's a natural, like almost like a knee jerk response to go, "See, I told you, you shouldn't yes. have done that." Yeah. And I'm like, but you know, I didn't like criticize him in this moment. Cause again, like he, and he gave him a hug and it was, you know, it was fine. And this like, this was a very small exchange, but that's a kind of like a shitty example. It's not a yeah. good example, but it's a shitty example of how we might have made a mistake and had someone go like, put your nose in it sort of thing. Like, huh. uh, sorry, I'm not trying to call my husband. Make sure that, that you
1: know, you made this mistake.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And again, it might have come from even good intentions like my husband's. And again, I know that this is not an ideal scenario, but I don't have another analogy right now. I'm
1: picturing him giving him a hug and being like, see, I told you so.
0: Um, and I've done I've done that to my husband. So I like oh, I I'm do, definitely my not speaking. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm not uh not speaking or I'm not trying to speak out of turn. So um yeah, anyways, I just think that that whether it was done um maliciously or like by because we maybe had like a narcissistic parent, or whether it was done with good intentions, with a good intending parent or adult, grown up, whoever we had a situation where we were shamed because we were wrong about something and I feel like this can like I could go off on some big feminist rant for sure because I feel like this is even more prevalent with with women yes and um well you've yeah you read Rage Becomes Her and I'm still like petering through it but it's a um, it's a difficult book to make it through isn't it it? it's dense yeah doesn't it make um, you angrier (laughs) <laughs> yeah kind of so I have it to kind of do it in little bits and pieces yeah
1: yeah still live in a household with three men I am not angry <laughs> yeah right yeah
0: so Um, but like, there are multiple studies to, to show that like, we basically inhibit young girls from doing things because we basically say it's more important for you to be right than to try things. It's more important for you to do it perfectly than it is for you to experiment. It's more importantly that it's done properly than to be curious. And, um, and so I think that we have to essentially create an environment to unlearn that behavior. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, I think. Okay. This is like the other weird sort of cliche thing that I'm on right now, which is like, it's not new. Be the change you want to see in the world. Okay. Well, what changes do I want to see? in the world. And part of that is then, yeah, basically being comfortable with being wrong Mm -hmm. um, or owning up to my wrongness when I am wrong, because that is what I want to see in the world. I want to see more allowances and more grace for error. I want to see people owning up to their stuff and being more accountable. Well, that starts with me. So I had an argument with my husband recently and I, I did something stupid. So Oh, that's embarrassing. Okay. I'll tell the story. <laughs> oh, this like to more than one person. Oh my God. Okay. So my husband and I talked, had a mutual conversation and we agreed that there was just too much kind of like TV time going on in our house. I'm like, I feel not proud of the way we're living our lives. Like we're not getting outside enough. Um I just think that the TV is on like by default like it's on in the background it's just I it's bothering me and I feel like we need to make a change and he's like okay I agree. So we had this conversation and we agreed we do less TV time. So like 2 days later I, um my husband let me sleep in and he came downstairs with my son and made him breakfast and everything and so when I came downstairs I'm going to sound so privileged cuz I got to sleep in but anyways I came downstairs, the TV's on and I was mad. I was like, we just talked about this. I felt like, I felt super like, like he didn't think what I said was important. Like we had agreed on this. I felt like, you know, like low key levels of betrayal. Like I just, I was just like, what the fuck basically. So like the passive aggressive bitch I am, I take the remote and just turn off the TV. Like not a good move. Good job. This is me telling you you're wrong so i turn off the tv and he is not an inflammatory person most of the time and he just kind of goes i was watching that and i go uh i know i can't even remember what i said something along the lines of like yeah well we talked about this so we're not watching tv as much anymore so it shouldn't be on anyways i don't know something really shitty and he he like he doesn't um he doesn't argue with me unless he feels strongly about something. And even when he does argue with me, it's pretty polite. But anyways, so he just said, he's like, I know, but here's like why I had that on and I was only going to have it on for this long. And I was just about finished. And anyways, he went off on this big thing and in the, like, I'm listening to him, but honestly I'm actually mostly unraveling in my head about what I just did had that. I came down, I shut the TV off. I didn't talk to him. Like I was like, that was so disrespectful. And I was in the wrong. Basically. I was like, I did the, I made the wrong choice here, regardless of the fact that he made the wrong choice, which he kind of did. Right. We agreed not to watch TV and he's watching TV. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't have a conversation with him and I I acted out of anger and I, I acted out of emotion and I acted passive aggressively, not my favorite thing. So I basically said, you're right. I shouldn't have done that. Um, that was not the best move. Um, and basically I just said, like, I was, uh, that was wrong of me. I shouldn't like, and so, and that was hard. Okay. Like I, I wasn't like, I didn't go into that because I'm still mad that he was watching. TV. Mm-hmm. Totally. So that was like a, a nice moment for me. Like it was basically a very conscious moment of like turning it back around on myself. I was like, look, man, you want these shifts in the world, then you're going to have to start them. So, uh, yeah. So anyways, we ultimately did like, you know, like there has been less TV posts, like it has been prioritized. Like, and I did eventually say like, I just felt really unheard in that moment because you know, like, we just talked about this and we're already breaking the rules. Like, do they, you know,
1: do you mind if I psycho- so, ask you for a sec?
0: Oh, kind of. I'm
1: <laughs> no, but this is like, so I'm just thinking I've done the exact same thing. And I know what it is. Uh, like for me, when I used to be in this, like literally the exact same situation, I had shame for being in bed and then i came downstairs and i created shame so i was already feeling guilt and shame about like you said i was come downstairs and privileged i get to sleep in so then i immediately offloaded my shame to my partner that's that was it was like here's my shame you get to have it now so i just shift the focus on you which i didn't need to feel any shame for being up there it was deserved but that's like i know i've been there and
0: that's what i've done i wouldn't say i relate to it personally just because i don't like my husband and i have a really balanced um like we actually uh, anyways i don't want to get it he (laughs) sleeps in i sleep like we have like a a balanced deal on sleep ins and stuff so i didn't feel any shame about sleep i just think it's more just adds to the funny stories that i just was sleeping in and then come down and then just be a huge bitch basically (laughs) Um, so I definitely, I didn't feel any shame for sleeping in like at all. Mm-hmm. Um, just again, I have, I'm very grateful and privileged to have a really healthy relationship dynamic where that's not, um, not something that kind of comes up, but I definitely, um, felt really entitled <laughs> and I definitely, uh, yeah, went into some not great, like some default ways of expressing, that entitlement and basically going like, well, I'm unheard. So like definitely some dynamic of you're going to suffer too, because it's like, well, I don't feel heard or listened to or respected. So mm-hmm. I don't feel respected. I'm going to disrespect you. So yeah, there's definitely some like Awfully. tennis playing there, like emotional shitty tennis playing.
1: Yeah. I bet you there's so, I bet you everyone can relate to that. <laughs> I think that, that is a tale as old as time and parenting. There is just like this dynamic of I don't know it, as I like so obviously I'm not with my uh, son's dad anymore. But as great as he was, he was a fantastic, super hands-on dad. There was still always like between me and him. I do more, or I actually probably not even him to me, me to him. I do more. I do more, and it just. Anytime I did less, then I'd be like, oh my god, I gotta do double more the next time. Like I was at war with myself. And I think to go back to Brene Brown, what was the book that she wrote that talks specifically about motherhood? There was a really great quote. Was it Untethered or the I last one?
0: I, I haven't finished a Brene Brown. Book. Oh no, sorry, it
1: was Glennis Doyle. Uh Glennis Doyle, her her book, I can't remember what it was, is the last Untamed. one she wrote. Un- Untethered untamed untamed it talks about how women as a rite of passage have just decided to forego their identity as a whole and that's a good mother and that's like i think that that is that dynamic that happens between a lot of parents is you shift all of a sudden your whole identity shifts and changing and and making your way through that not to just even in parents but in anything like you change roles at work You may not know as much as you used to, so you're doubling down on I'm right, (laughs) right? It's like it's afraid of criticism. There's a deep-rooted fear of criticism or being rejected or being told we're wrong. And if we can get the other person before they get us, it makes us feel almost, I think, under the waters, immune to it. Well, they won't, if I point the finger first, they won't be able to point it at me. And so we offload our shame.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's really, I think that's really relevant. I think it would be a really interesting and a really powerful tool to be able to like, I think we all have that fear of being wrong. And if we could like excavate it, like each of us go down into the, like, what happens when you're wrong? Like what's, yeah. what are, what are you avoiding? Cause there's a, there's a reason you're fighting to be right. Mm-hmm. So, and you're doing this, like, I think your nervous system is doing it at like thinking it's at its peril of mortality, like the mortality is being threatened somehow. So it's like, if you can dig into why you are fighting so hard to be right, not because you're right, but like, no, but what's like, what's under that? And then what's under that? And what's under that? Like, what are you really, really fighting for? Um, I feel like even just knowing the context of that would help us like to unwind it in that moment. Like, um, Mm -hmm. So I'm just trying to see if I can like in real time, like take out like what happened with my husband, like, well, I didn't Mm -hmm. fight for that right need to be right, but I did unravel it in the moment. So if I had fought for that need to be right, I think I would have been fighting for this is external stuff, but I I don't know if I can get at the root in this moment, but let's see. I think I would have been fighting for like to be heard and relevant, which is a huge one for me, like feeling unheard or like, um, disrespected, but not in like, um, a disrespected way, but in like a, you don't matter way. Like what you, like, I don't respect what you have to say because you don't matter. So then that would be at the root of that. And so if basically it's like, if I go in then and go, but you do matter and you are respected and you are heard and you're important. If I soothe that then is what I'm fighting to be right about still important. Like yeah. if I go in and like, I, I wonder if there's like, some process that we could be created to like just get to the root and then soothe who's so loud and mad at that, like, you know, whatever inner child space or at the baseline of it or the shame part or whatever. And if we can say, you, but you, you are safe here, like, you are okay. Mm-hmm. Like every everything is like this is just a memory or this is just triggering like your nervous system is just expressing itself in the form of a memory. It's not actually in this moment that you are threatened.
1: Mm -hmm. I would just
0: wonder what would um, how that would land.
1: Yeah, well, the nervous system does do that, right? Like it, it is a very primal thing. It's always a reaction to a past memory. I think that that'd be great if we didn't have primal brains, (laughs) we could easily go to that space, but you're so right. If you can take a step back and say, what's at the root of this? Like, what am I actually feeling? Where do I feel like there may be a betrayal there? Or there may be that, um, yeah, I'm not valid. You don't hear me. You don't see me. Some sort of childhood wound that or need that wasn't met, that's surfacing at that time in that way there's lots of healing and so here we come back to when we're wrong if we look at it there can be a tremendous amount of healing and if if we save ourselves from being wrong we save ourselves from being heard or seen or felt or attempt to be understood then we will save ourselves from being wrong but we also avoid discovering who we really are and avoid our true potential for healing
0: Mm -hmm.
1: through the triggers triggers are the way which is really gross yeah (laughs) don't you wish it was different yeah what's that to me i just wish it was so different but it is that's the um that's the human in us that doesn't want to not to expand and grow that's that primal survival thinking is that I just need to make it through this day instead of I just need to thrive through this day, I just need to expand and grow through this day. And seeing that every challenge is something that is set here to create a deeper presence.
0: I learned this thing about kids, like it was a babies or toddlers or something. It was essentially that like, we all have this like built in survival mechanism. It was fascinating as it, as it Mm -hmm. pertains to children, but I was like, this is really relevant to adults, Yeah, (laughs) Um, which was that, uh, the taught to- like toddlers or something they'll basically they'll have these really big meltdowns or freakouts about shifts, even if they seem slight, like, and that, that was what it was like speaking to was like, Hey, don't worry. This is very developmentally normal. If your toddler is reacting to this kind of a shift or this, that, and the other, and it's basically that you're biologically wired to survive. And that um, the reason that they'll have such strong reactions to changes is because it's not what's always been done. And what's always been done has kept them alive to this point. And so there's a part of me that wonders, like, I just think we're all just wrinkly toddlers. Like, I don't think anyone really gets past the toddler stage. And so I wonder if it's like in those moments, it's if even just recognizing that that toddler within you is, is basically like, whoa, I feel really unsafe. Like, whoa, what's, what's happening. So it's like, obviously, yes, like this is whole, like we are, we don't want change and like why we're so resistant to change and why we tend to seek out similar patterns and relationships and all this stuff is because yeah like we're our toddler is just going like but this is what i've known and to this date this is what's kept me alive is that yeah. like inner toddler but then we have to parent the inner toddler and go like okay i recognize this has kept you alive but it doesn't mean it's actually the best thing for you and then we can like again conscientiously go like so i know it's going to be scary and you you're allowed to be scared here's your stuffy (laughs) and we're going to make this change together okay and I think you just have to like almost work to be your inner self's best friend and confidant and like you know buddy as you go through stuff that feels hard and scary and just be like yeah it's hard and scary let's let's do it together
1: yeah, 100%. I do see it like that. I think these core wounds are always activated by a memory that we have when we didn't have words, we we didn't understand the concept of reality, even at that time, we lived in uh, fantasy, like our brains took everything in, in in a way that we just, it's not logical or linear, it has no construct. And it's so abstract that we spend forty-two years unlocking the symbolism, and unlocking the um, the repetition. And maybe it does take forty years until you do see, hey, this cycle looks a lot from, like a lot like yesterday's, and this this relationship feels a lot like last one, or this dynamic. like what is the common denominator here and it's always us right and and that doesn't mean that there isn't uh other people creating these instances but our nervous system knows what it knows and that's what it likes that's what it sees as comfort and those are the people that we energetically are like oh okay that's this one's gonna play mom this one's gonna play dad and this one's gonna play this person in my life and we reassemble the people and change their shirts And then until we work through that, like you just said, is like, okay, what is actually I was a I'm a, I am a very reactive person, like if I'm emotionally charged, I'm very reactive, I want to lash out, so I have to parent myself with the 24-hour rule, is what is going on here, what is happening under the surface, when is the first time I felt this way, and then when I go back, then, and I know we talked about this on the podcast before, but every time I'm brought back to a memory, it instantly heals, is like the moment I see it and I can see how the first time I experienced it and I was left in a trauma response, that that's still here with me. Even though, like you said, the TV is not a direct threat, but it directly threatened a core wound for you coming in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And then recontextualize, you're like, oh, it's not so stupid that I'm mad. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. like, oh, actually, it's like, anyways... But it
1: makes sense, right? And like, if you have a partner who can listen to you as you unwind, that what a gift. Some of us have to do it on our own, and you know, in in private or even journaling it out. But for me, if I can, and me and my partner have made huge strides with this, is if we can, like, I, like I'll lead the way. But this is what it brought up in me, and then we have those discussions, and there's a lot of old trauma that's healed through these discussions. And I think when we avoid the being wrong, we also miss those discussions that lead to great healing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Do we want
0: to leave it on that?
1: Yeah, I feel like that was a really good closeout. um, Yeah, it's a lot of the same work that I've been doing, but to hear you, I'm glad that people are learning it about their children i'm glad that this is like a concept that is being where where did you where did you learn that tanya i think people will be interested to know what what you where you read that
0: god the thing about the toddlers yeah Oh, probably TikTok. Like, <laughs> Take it with a grain of salt. Like my entire toddler education is pretty much based right in TikToks.
1: TikToks. Oh, uh,
0: I do follow TikTok like a lot of child psychologists, though. Like, so it's yeah, <laughs> it's not it's not completely ungrounded information, but but um, it's
1: bite-sized things that that's why I like it. It's, yeah, it's
0: not overwhelming, but I mean, um, it's not drinking from the fire hose. It's little quips and little things that yeah. just. And, and honestly, like even um, like uh, when I'm digesting TikTok and and kind of taking it in, I, I run it through my own filter of like, is this causing me, like, is this helpful and like supportive? Like, so, so even if that was say not grounded in anything, like, let's just pretend that that was not true at all, but it helps me digest my kids' temper tantrums and not take them personally, which is healthy. So I like kind of always come back to, I'm like, is it helping? And if it's not, then I ditch it. And if it's helping and then I take it. And then, you know, there's no, there's no harm to it. If as long as it's like helping me parent my kid in a more mindful way. Well, that one particular thing I know is grounded in truth. All right. <laughs> so, well, that's, that's yeah. good. So TikTok's not all bullshit.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, that one definitely is rooted in truth. And that's, I think, a lot of the work that people are trying to do these days is that healing, parenting your inner child, you becoming the parent, which is beautiful. Yeah. Or Absolutely. your best friend. But I do like the idea of thinking, like, myself as a parent, because then I feel responsible for it. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, this is my duty to show up for myself here.
0: Yeah, I know. I like that too. Um, and I, I think it's like, it creates this like really unique allyship for the inner person, the little person that, Mm. because there's no one in the world that can be the perfect parent for you, except you. Yeah. Like, like no matter how much take, no matter how much TikToks I watch (laughs) about, you know, how to support my toddler, he's going to come back to me at some point and be like, mom, you really messed up <laughs> here. And I'm going to have to be like, yeah, I really did, didn't I? Like, yeah. And, uh, like there's, there's just no one like, so this whole cancel culture. sorry, I'm going to just quickly <laughs> digress, but this whole cancel culture, like I'm also a- a- in like the TikTok realm of people doing a lot of inner child work and, um, childhood, the healing childhood trauma and all this stuff. But there is a theme I'm noticing, which is that I do think that there's a skewed expectation from our parents, like in that they, they couldn't have ever possibly been the best parent for us. Like not, and it's not to um, justify or condone any choices that they made that were abusive or problematic. I'm not saying that, but I do feel it's interesting. Some of the stories that I've heard when people are criticizing how they were raised is like it's like but how would they ever have known that anyways like like with certain with certain things again I'm not uh this is not we got a whole like little asterisk around abuse and a whole like gamut of things there but um we parent from our
1: wounds really right like we're parenting trying to heal the wounds that our child hasn't even experienced yet so whatever word like i noticed that with my kids is and then my wound would come up when i'd be triggered or activated and be quite explosive with them as well at the same time and speak of the devil he just walked in
0: (laughs) yeah no i i definitely think um That that's a pattern in parenting is like, you know, trying to quote unquote fix the things from your childhood for your kids childhood. And I think that the more powerful way to parent just personal opinion, personal philosophy, just take it or leave it. I know I shouldn't be giving parenting advice. It's triggering and annoying, but is if we can parent ourselves through like correct, basically like, well, if we feel like if I felt unheard in my childhood, then what I should be doing is giving myself, um, a platform to hear myself. Like basically I should be holding space for me and like, yeah, in kind, of course, I'm going to hold space and listen to my son, but ultimately I think it's, the most powerful thing I can do is continue to reparent myself so that I'm not trying to fix his, like my childhood through him because it's not his job. Like that's not yeah. like the, is like a whole new person with a whole new set of problems and a whole new <laughs> thing. And I have to try and like experience him uniquely as him and then try to like fix my own shit myself. Yeah. <laughs>
1: a lot, it's a lot really of parenting weird.
0: going on over here okay i've got like multiple really? toddlers and this wrinkly one is like the more annoying one of the two really <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh okay let's close off and i loved that that was beautiful do we have an ending trailer now or
0: nope we- i'm just gonna say okay. thank you for joining okay. us on this episode of the spiritual boss podcast we so appreciate you listening um, if you wish to get in contact with us, uh, we love hearing from you guys. We love knowing that we're not talking into dead air. I, as I told you, my love language is being heard. So if I know that you're listening, it's really, um, really great for my heart and my ego. Let's be honest. Um, but please feel welcome to reach out to us on social media, um, at the spiritual boss podcast, or you can email us, um, Gmail is spiritual boss podcast at gmail.com. Um, of course, we've got our individual accounts that you can look us up on and peace in, peace out.